Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. Now, I am not reintroducing the idea of purgatory. But on the other hand, I do believe the baby was thrown out with the bathwater. With that came a belief. When you die, you're instantaneously and magically made perfect. The soul of someone who dies immediately goes into eternity. There is no place where you make up for your sins. There is no purgatory. In the twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. On second thought, methinks I have a second thought. I know that seems improbable. This is Wretched Radio. The A-bomb was dropped just a few weeks ago. Esteemed Pastor Alistair Begg encouraging grandmother, it is okay to attend an unbiblical wedding, specifically of your granddaughter. And the world responded pretty unanimously. And I do believe that would be a good that we can see coming out of a mostly unfortunate story. And the good that I see coming out of it is at least we saw what I believe to be unanimity in conservative evangelical circles. I was not able to find anybody on the conservative side of the aisle saying that was good advice. I, 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 um, perhaps it's out there, but I don't think that there was anybody that I scoured that would have agreed with that advice. But that doesn't mean the conversation is done because the fallout from that explosion is massive and it has left a number of Christians reeling. Yikes! What, what do we do with this? What are the implications? How do I apply this in my own life? And wait a second, evangelicals are very quickly thinking, hey, if I can't attend an unbiblical wedding, if that's the principle, there's all kinds of unbiblical weddings out there. What about the man who marries a woman who did not have a biblical divorce? Uh-oh, that would be an unbiblical wedding, wouldn't it? What about the individual who marries somebody who's not a believer? Uh-oh, that would also be an unbiblical wedding. And perhaps more and more scenarios can be created. What about going to the wedding of two pagans? What about going to the wedding of two pagans who were shacking up together and now they're getting married? And then more questions came from that about should I attend a baby shower? where the child is being born out of wedlock. And so it is. The fallout is going to continue for a bit. And I would like to offer two thoughts that might help us navigate our way through this scenario. Initially, I thought there's just one thing that we need to focus on. Marriage. What is it? What is that institution? What are the implications for attending a wedding? unbiblical or otherwise? And how does God feel about such sinful unions and the participation of a Christian? And so it has been my encouragement. We got to study this issue. What's going on when we go? What are we saying with our presence? And we need to have that conversation. There was a lengthy op-ed written. I, I can't remember the outlet. So I, I don't want to misapply or misname somebody. But the individual asked the question, did Alistair Begg have a point? 
And his point about Alistair Begg's point was, you're not endorsing anything when you go to a wedding. You're just attending, especially when you've told the couple, I don't endorse what you're doing. I'm just going. There's, there's the other side of the coin. And we need to sort it. And the only way to do that, in my estimation, is by studying Mowage. But I do believe now, upon further consideration, there's a second consideration. Who are we? What are Christians? What are we called out of? What are we called to? How does salt and light live in a world that hates bright light, doesn't care for saltiness? What are we called to give up for our master? What price are we willing to pay as Christians? If we don't answer those questions, I think that we'll probably have a divergence of opinions. But I do believe the matter can be settled if we will together walk through this to sort out what is marriage and what does it mean to be a Christian. I would turn your attention to about a gazillion verses that talk about who we are, not the least of which would be the words of Jesus Christ himself. Get to preach on this in a couple of weeks at alpharetabiblechurch.org. The Sermon on the Mount. It's the first recorded sermon that Matthew gives us. He has told us and been emphatic the king is coming, the king is here. And then we see how the king treats his servants in Matthew chapter 4. But then in Matthew chapter 5, we see the manifesto of what it means to be a Christian. The king himself defines who we are. He describes what we are to be. And I would encourage you to make your way through the Beatitudes, make your way through the similitudes. We are different, a lot different. And when you read through the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, we become even more strikingly different than the world. Jesus takes the law and he turns the knob to brighten the light that indicates, whoa, the commandments run deep. God is not kidding when it comes to holiness. And Jesus uses the law repeatedly to help us understand we better come with empty hands or we don't come at all because we got nothing in these sinful mitts of ours. And Jesus instructs us, servants of the king, members of my kingdom, for whom I have paid the entrance fee, this is what you're supposed to look like. And it was radically different. Now, please note, this is no different than the way the Jewish people, the peculiar people, looked to the surrounding nations. The Jewish people were downright odd to the people who surrounded them. As we are learning today, the issue of sexuality and sex, kind of the big issue in society. This is kind of the, if you will, the base issue that so many of these deconstructionist ideas are, are based in. It's a big deal. And it was a big deal then too. And before Moses 
the Ten Commandments before it was enshrined. One man, one woman, people were living any way that they wanted to. The configuration for, we'll call it intimacy, which is probably far too generous a descriptor, it didn't matter with whom or with what you you participated in that act. Didn't matter. Married? Whatever. Child? Who cares? Animal? No problem. And along come the Jews. Nope. One man, one woman. Whoa! Not to mention Sabbath rest. There was not such a thing in Eastern civilization. You work seven days a week because you pretty much had to. Along come the Jews as a peculiar people, and they're told by God, one day a week, you will rest because it's going to be a picture of my son in whom you will have an eternal Sabbath rest. They were peculiar. They were different. And Jesus comes along and even amps it up. (laughs) Not only are you not supposed to be committing adultery, you can't even look with lust. Whoa. We're, we're supposed to be radically different. Scoot over to First Peter. Make your way through the book of persecution and over and over again. I think that we've been through this book multiple times here on Wretched. I, I, I know that we even did a video on this. How is the Christian supposed to live in a world that is becoming harsh, cold, angry, mean, nasty, judgmental, Downright wicked. And we see Peter's rather surprising advice when he says, you're a holy people. You're peculiar. You're different. You're going to react differently to all of this so that people will ask about the hope that lies within us. And I think that's instructive, isn't it? When Jesus told us that families are going to divide over him, I think we're, we're, we're starting to see exactly what he meant. When we're peculiar, two things are going to happen. People will divide from us, maybe even try to hurt us, or they're going to ask us about the hope that lies within us. And so as we now confront this culture and this brave new world, we, I believe, more than ever need to remember who we are, what we have been called out of, what we have been called into, what the expectation of being a peculiar, a royal people set aside for God himself, what we're supposed to look like. I don't think it means that we're supposed to be dorky, that we're supposed to wear plaid with stripes. I just think that we are supposed to be so sanctified that the world just can't figure it out. And we know that God intended it to be that way for every generation. And so now as we're confronted with a shifting culture, And we're asking questions about what sort of marriage can I attend? I do believe there are two things that we should focus on before we get to application. What is marriage? And who are we? This is Wretched Radio. So you aren't convinced of the importance of training godly men to rightly divide the word of truth in churches internationally, well then, we'll let Paul Washer 
convince you. You have to support men who are elder qualified proclaimers of the word. When we support a man coming out of TMAI, we know not only that he is properly trained, but we know that he will still be supervised. Would you please join TMAI, the Master's Academy International, in advancing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ through expository preaching in local churches around the globe. It's a magnificent ministry and it's so important. Please consider partnering with TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Thank you for supporting indigenous pastors around the world. Well, in a world that is undeniably cluttered with quick fixes and superficial solutions, now comes a journey into the heart of real change. I'm talking about Transformed Season 3. It's finally here, and we're inviting you into the lives of individuals that are facing the giants of fear and guilt and grief. But hey, there's a twist. These aren't your typical battles. These battles have been fought with the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith. You'll witness loneliness and overeating and relational tension met with grace, truth, and love that can only come from the one who knows us the best. This season's not just about watching others. It's about seeing yourself and your struggles and the path to true transformation through biblical counseling. We'll together dive deep into the heart of what it means to be transformed. Transformed Season 3 can be found right now at wretched.org slash transformed3. I believe in a culture of life. One of the most impactful moments of my life was when I heard the heartbeat of my oldest daughter uh, in my wife's womb and then saw the sonograms of all three of my kids. The sonogram or the, the pictures that are taken of babies, still a profoundly helpful tool, which encourages me to encourage you to consider supporting Preborn Ministries. Preborn Ministries and their network clinics, they are giving away free ultrasounds to women, but they do cost something. It's $28 an ultrasound. And just as you heard Governor DeSantis say, his view of life was profoundly changed when he saw the baby in the womb when you see the form and the shape and the fingers and the heartbeat would you please consider supporting preborn it's a great ministry of life it has a high anthropology shares the gospel with women and with the dads preborn.org slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched books of the bible God called the prophet Jonah to preach repentance in Nineveh. Jonah fled, but he could not outrun God. He was cast into the sea and swallowed by a great fish. Jonah repented, and God spared him. Jonah then preached in Nineveh, and they repented. God is compassionate and merciful, and he is calling men from all nations to repentance. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. No, that was not intentional. This is Wretched Radio. Jimmy, you suggested that maybe (laughs) I was kind of making an allusion to Alistair Begg's book, which is titled... Uh, The Christian Manifesto. And I said the Sermon on the Mount is a manifesto for Christians. Correct. No, I wasn't trying to make (laughs) some sort of an allusion to that. It's just that that's what it is. This is a document because it's a recorded sermon of our king who lays down the descriptors of the people that we are called to be. 
And it is an unusual group that he is collecting. These are people who are supposed to be set apart, who are supposed to not be worldly, who are supposed to be pure in thought, word, and deed, to love one another, to not be anxious. That is the calling of the Christian. And when you think about, really in the Gospel of Luke, but it's in every Gospel, Jesus' urgent shouting, hey, when you come to me, you put your hands to the plow and you don't look back. You die to self. You pick up your electric chair and follow me. I just contemporized what a cross was considered back in the first century. Everybody knew that it was a torture tool. It was the nastiest way to die. And what does Jesus say? Pick up your cross. Follow me. He picked up his cross. And that is the life that we are called to. And if we fail to remember that, I think that we are probably going to be swayed to compromise and to not be as shiny and salty as we are called to be as we live in this world. And that is why I do believe the two issues, at least at this moment, that I think would be the most pressing for us as we make our way through the issue of Christian participation in ungodly things. How now are we supposed to live? I think we need to study marriage. And I do believe that we need to study us. Who are we supposed to be? When Jesus said that we need to be willing to lay down our lives, what do we think that looks like? Did we just think, oh, if we get fed to the lions, I guess? No, it meant far more <laughs> sacrifice than that. It means that we lay down our everything and we let him dictate the terms of our life. Why should we let him do that? Because he is the most magnificent king anyone could ever imagine. All of the kings, all the rulers of this earth, they're dim reflections. So think of your favorite king, your favorite ruler. Pales in comparison would be an understatement to Jesus the king. He brings us into his kingdom. He affords us every blessing of members of his kingdom. He keeps us in his kingdom. He lets us reign in his kingdom. What kind of a king are we talking about here? We're talking about King Jesus. You're a member of his kingdom. And he's purchased you. He owns us. And we should happily ask our master, what do you want from me? Because I'll happily give it. Lord of glory, who has bought us? This song regularly gets stuck in my head. With thy lifeblood as the price, never grudging for the lost ones. That tremendous sacrifice, and with that, has freely given blessings countless as the sand to the ungrateful and the evil with thine own unsparing hand. We sang a hymn in church yeah, a week ago. I gave my life for thee, my precious blood I shed, that thou might ransom be and risen from the dead. I gave my life for thee. What have you given for me? The answer should be everything. And I think once we arrive at a clear definition of who we are as kingdom people, 
I think we'll have clarity on a lot of these now confusing issues. I received a stack of emails sent to idea at wretched.org, none of which were snarky. My question is, are you being consistent? And this was not, this was from John, and he believed he wasn't snarky. Are you being consistent? That's a fair question. Because I think that we all understand. It's like, okay, so if you're saying a gay wedding is verboten, well, what about other sinful configurations? That's a really fair question. And I believe that once we establish the principle, once we determine that a marriage should be held in high esteem, if not by the world, certainly by us, and we recognize that marriage is more than the societal glue that keeps us together and stabilized. It is that. But it is intended for procreation, to make image bearers of God, for pleasure, for partnership, and for a proclamation. This is a picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And even though the world has decimated it in its meaning, we know the true meaning. And we then, as we go about the business of studying what marriage is, I think we're going to get some clarity combined with who are we as salt and light. If you consider what the Bible has to say about marriage, I, I think there's, there's a couple of verses that help us sort this. And I think that the, the verses would, of course, be we go to Genesis, one man, one woman. We see that in the garden. We see that affirmed and modeled throughout Scripture. Jesus affirmed that in Matthew chapter 19 in the context of divorce, a gotcha question. He affirmed one man, one woman. But then interestingly, in 1 Corinthians 7, we get this. Now, to, to the married, I command, not I, but the Lord. A wife is not to depart from her husband, but even if she does, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And a husband is not to divorce his wife. What? What's going on? Two pagans got married. One of them gets saved. You can't get divorced. What does that tell us by inference? That God sanctions pagan marriage because they are good for society. So if two pagans get married, no problem, as long as it's natural, long as it's one man, one woman. I do believe you should be free to go to a pagan wedding. Now, what about the other unbiblical configurations, like somebody who was not divorced biblically, unequally yoked marriage? Well, what do we do with those? Well, if we've determined that a marriage is one man, one woman esteemed highly in the eyes of God, and that that configuration would indeed be a sin, attending would be to affirm a sin. And when I was noodling through this, that is when I came up with my second thought. Whew. Oh, wow. We might be turning down a lot of wedding invitations. This, might, <laughs> this could mean a lot of people in my family get mad at me. Not just the gay couple, but wow. All kinds of configurations could be problematic. Yep. And that's why I think we need to remember who we are. He sacrificed his life for us. When everyone fled, Jesus persevered. He stayed the course. He coordinated his death. He coordinated it. Uh, just, I, I think we have a tendency to think about, well, after Lazarus, then he started marching, then he was timing this. My time has not yet come. But you see that in other places in the Gospels. 
What about when Matthew chapter four, when John, uh, four, th- right in the beginning of Matthew, it's three or four, when John the Baptist is being, I think it's four, is being person. No, that's the temptation. Then it's the, yeah. So it's chapter four. Look, don't tell me that you never go through little dilemmas like this and you got to figure it out. Otherwise, you can hardly breathe. Is this some form of OCD I'm having, Jimmy? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> John the Baptist is in prison, about to be beheaded. What did Jesus do? He moved to Capernaum, uh, to the land of Nef- Zebulun and Nephtali. Why? Well, it was in fulfillment of a prophecy. Second, uh, it was because there was danger afoot. And it wasn't his, he was just beginning his ministry. So Jesus coordinated his death so that you and I don't have to face it. And now he says, I've given you that. What are you going to sacrifice for me? Are these easy decisions? Of course, of course they're not. Uh, but I, I don't know that they're complicated as much as conflicting. <sighs> My family, and to act as if it ain't no big whoop, I, I think is to lack some humanity, honestly. We've got somebody in our church and they're dealing with, and maybe it's clear cut in our brains, but for them, they're just going through it. And that is why I would encourage you, if you've never done it before, be a member of a local church, because it's just a matter of time for you. It is. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna feel the squeeze on this whether it's a work, neighborhood, the association that you're in, you're going to feel the squeeze and you're going to need other brothers and sisters. We need to walk through this together patiently, lovingly, biblically. And I do believe that as we go about the business of studying marriage and studying who we are, what Jesus has done for us, what he has called us to, we will not only have clarity, we will have consistency. This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Starting in Montana, a Christian couple whose teen daughter was removed by the state for gender noncompliance is now facing arrest simply for speaking publicly about their trauma. Jacob and Adriana are their names, and they refuse to endorse their dysphoric daughter's transgender identity. Child Protective Services then jumped in and charged them with medical neglect and then terminated their custody without warning. And then when the Stun family later advocated for parental rights legislation, authorities then hit them with gag orders and then threatened them with jail time for contempt. You don't agree, and legally you go through the channels that are afforded to you as a free American, like advocating for legislation, and then you're hit with gag orders and threatened with jail? That doesn't sound very communist at all, does it? Well, in South Carolina this week, the Senate passed legislation that allow permitless concealed carry of firearms across the state. If it's signed into law, the bill would make South Carolina the 27th state not mandating permits for legal gun owners. And out of Oklahoma, where a high school principal has been moonlighting as a drag performer. And the guy finally resigned after public outcry. Photos show the administrator parading provocatively as his obscene alter ego. Yet the superintendent only requested ending the indecent double life following 
backlash from the community. It's only a bad thing if the community finds out and complains. And in another bout of radical activism that's masquerading as social justice, a children's psychiatrist is saying now that white men should pay reparations to black women because it's Black History Month. Honestly, that's the legitimate reason that this doctor, I'm doing air quotes with my fingers, you can't see that, but this doctor advised that guilt-ridden Caucasians should celebrate equity by literally transferring their earnings into the bank accounts of oppressed minorities. Hey, look, I know no one asked for my advice, but here's some free advice. If you think there's a fracture here and you want to promote some type of healing, like if that's your honest, genuine goal, I would think it requires less racism, not more. Finally, the Connecticut legislature has passed a bill this week that will automatically erase unpaid medical debts for state residents. Oh, how entitled is that? The first in the nation law prohibits credit agencies counting such arrears against consumer scores. Sponsors are praising this. Sponsors are praising this as relieving financial burdens, but critics are arguing that it shifts costs to taxpayers and providers while removing individual responsibility. Yeah, that's exactly what it's doing. Doing. And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Titles of Christ In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who he is and what he has done. Jesus is called the cornerstone. When laying a foundation, every stone must be aligned in reference to the cornerstone. God is building His church as a holy temple, and as believers, we are being brought into line with the cornerstone, Jesus Christ. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. It ain't easy to be consistent. This is Wretched Radio. No doubt you're still chatting about the A-bomb that was dropped and the fallout that continues to make waves. How do we Christians react and respond and make decisions about other unbiblical wedding configurations? And that's going to spill into other, other realms and other events and other celebrations. Well, what, what about Thanksgiving? Am I, can I go to the house of a pagan, a relative who's gay? And I think that in order to sort it, we study marriage, we study who we are, and I do believe that we'll have clarity, and I do believe that we will have consistency. An email that was sent in from John. Are you being consistent? For example, do you refuse to attend a wedding mass? Great question. If I've concluded that a wedding is to be between one man, one woman, and let's say that is what is happening at a wedding mass, a Catholic mass, can I go to that? Well, if you just applied the rule of, yeah, well, it's a boy and a girl, so you can go, you would say, I guess I can. Hold on. The issue baked inside of the question, what is a wedding, includes what is my presence communicating? So now you've got yourself what we would call a natural marriage, one man, one woman, and yet it is being done as a part of a sacrament and ceremony that as a Protestant, we should see and go, whoa, well, I don't want to give affirmation to that. I don't want to tell people that I'm okay with the Mass and when communion is being served, when the Mass is being offered, that Jesus has been re-crucified. 
and that a priest is calling down our Savior? What does my presence say when I participate in that? And I think that we have clarity and consistency. I couldn't go to that because I don't, whether anybody there knows who you are or not, your presence communicates something. And ultimately, it doesn't matter what it communicates to people. It matters what it communicates to God. And that's why I fall right back to who am I? What am I called to? Am I really, really required to make sacrifices for my sacrifice savior? That was kind of a redundant question. Redundant? No, that was a rhetorical question. It may have been redundant too. The point is, we've got to figure out who we are. And we've got to figure out what our master calls us to don't, don't go back and check out the land. Follow me. What did Jesus say to the rich young ruler when he boasted that he kept all the commandments? Fine, sell everything you have. Because his idol, his priority was riches and wealth. So he didn't follow after Jesus because he wasn't willing to surrender all. And we're called to that. And if we are in his kingdom it might be time for us to start sacrificing. And pretty soon, quite honestly, I'm, I'm not a futurist, certainly not a prophet. I think that we're all going to be facing it very, very soon. That's, that's my thinking on the matter about the future of Western civilization. I, I mean, I, I just have a slew of articles that indicate, uh-oh, this, this thing is Paul Simoning right in front of us. Religious nuns now outnumber all individual religious cohorts from National Review. One quarter, 28% of American adults now identify as religiously unaffiliated. The number was 16% in 2007. So there's more people who say, I'm nothing. That's more than the Catholic religion, and it's more than evangelical Protestants. It's shifting. And we should anticipate that we are going to experience what those shifts mean. You remove the underpinnings from a culture and you're going to see things change. And because we are living in a world of self, uh, you get in the way of me pleasing me and you're in trouble. Read an interesting article speaking of weddings. Last week, this was quite an article from one Johann Kurtz. The Sins of Our Fathers, a video of a woman explaining why she refused to let her father walk her down the aisle, garnered millions of views. This is what she said. As an independent thinker, not community, not family, me, as an independent thinker, I've decided we're not going to do every single wedding tradition. It's the year 2023. I don't know why this resurfaced now. Women are not property anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, I'm trying to recall, when did we get to own women in Christendom? I don't actually recall that, but nevertheless, I will be walking myself down the aisle. What is that? That's the autonomous self-society that is being built on the flimsy framework of postmodernism. And it's going to change everything. It's going to change the way that the world looks at us. And how angry they get when we say, no, 
Nearly 30% of Zoomers as adults now identify as LGBTQ. Now, I think there's some details in that that indicates no, because they're not acting on it. They're just claiming it because I think much of this is a social contagion. It's actually cool uh, to be LGBTQ. Nevertheless, if the mindset is you've got to live and let live, what are they going to do to the people who say, no, you can't do that? It's going to potentially get pretty ugly. Oklahoma, Oklahoma legislator proposes a law that would outlaw porn. That would have been like a no-brainer 50, 60 years ago today. How dare you? Jimmy Fallon, in his lame comedic way, tried to make jokes about it. What? What does that say? Just the normalizing of porn. Like, can you imagine these people don't want us to make porn? Can you? Wow. How crazy are these people? This is quite a bill. Senator Dusty Devers, you might want to pray for him, would prohibit consuming or producing sexual content that lacks serious literary, artistic, educational, political, or scientific purposes or value in any medium. Why? And because porn is protected under First Amendment rights. So they define obscene material, nudity, could carry prison sentences, up to $2,000 fines. Anyone who produces or promotes untoward content to be sued by any state resident for $10,000. And he is getting absolutely pilloried. This is going on everywhere. Switzerland is losing its religion. It used to be predominantly Catholic and, interestingly, Protestant evangelical reformed. And the nuns are outnumbering the Roman Catholics and the Protestant Evangelical Reformed Church for a number of reasons. But what are we seeing? We're seeing a shifting in society. And we, we've got a world that's going bonkers around us. And I feel these things like you do. You got family members who are not walking with the Lord and you want them to be saved. I want that for them. I get that. Um, but are we willing to compromise our testimony? We are to be walking lights. No, we shouldn't be walking around like Jim Caviezel all the time with that kind of mystical, oh, I'm in ethereal land because I played Jesus in the Mel Gibson movie. No, we're not supposed to be weird, but we're peculiar and we're different. And we need to recognize that we're going we're gonna to be called to make a sacrifice for the Savior. So back to the original question. Are you being consistent? Do you refuse to attend a wedding mass? Well, what is a wedding? What does one's presence communicate? And what about, another email came in, what about... As more of my childhood friends in my life get engaged, wedding invites are in my future. What's the difference between attending an unsaved worldly friend's wedding versus the circumstance that Alistair was confronted with? What about going to that baby shower of a child born out of wedlock? Hey, aren't you saying something? Okay, let's try to sort that one, shall we? You're invited to a baby shower of a young lady, young man, whatever the configuration is here, the individual, do you go? Well, a baby being born and celebrated, regardless of how it happened, I think because of our view on Imago Dei, we can celebrate that. 
But I do think that we would have a responsibility to say, I'm, I'm here because I love you and I'm celebrating life, but you do need to know uh, that, that I don't affirm what you're doing. And you might say, wait a second, what, that's, how is a baby shower different than attending a wedding? Well, because a baby shower isn't a ceremony with theological pictures behind it. I think that's the difference. And you might say, nah, I'm not buying that one. Okay, we'll sort it. We'll talk through this. But as we do, we need to remember all of our ologies, all of our biblical considerations. What a marriage is, it's different than a baby. It's like it's different than a birthday party. And who we are. This is Wretched Radio. Okay, so imagine that you're inside of a maze and every corner that you take, there's another wall, there's another obstacle, and you finally get to the point of frustration where you think you're never going to get out. But then imagine a different scenario. You're still inside that maze, but every corner you take is a guide who has a flashlight and is saying, nope, that's the right way to go. And in that scenario, we welcome you to Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford. And whether you've listened or not, you'll realize really quickly it's not your everyday radio show. Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford takes issues that many, if not all of us, struggle with. And it matches them up to hope and healing through the pages of the Bible. It is genuinely an entirely new perspective. New episodes drop every Saturday morning in your favorite podcast spot or at transformed.org slash podcast transformed with dr greg gifford i would say the tomorrow clubs is a wonderful ministry kids are getting saved like crazy not just in eastern europe but also in africa and it's so efficient i was just with paul and cindy marty and i asked and it said in, in american currency how much does it cost to have a kid come to a tomorrow club four times a month so every single week what what's the what does it take to make that happen ready a buck one dollar that's it the kid comes they get treats they get materials that they learn the bible they memorize a buck because it's it's all volunteer driven all those dear ones they're volunteers it's an amazing ministry and if you have a heart for the lost in eastern europe africa and you love supporting ministries that are super efficient and biblically sound i would point you in the direction of tomorrowclub.org wretched tomorrowclub.org wretched and ask how many children might i be able to support per month Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. You know, you're the reason that we get so excited about every broadcast. Now, one of the questions you may be wondering is, what's it like on the other side? You know, we know everyone's life is a bit different and not everyone is in a place that they can contribute in the same way. And that is perfectly okay. But if you are, I want to encourage you to actually put some more thought and some more prayer and some more conversation into it. If you feel moved, if you feel led and you're in a good spot in your life right now, then we would welcome you with open arms. But hey, remember this, if you're in debt, if you're not giving to your local church, then we don't want you giving to us. When have you ever heard a ministry turn down donations? Because that's not who we are. We don't want to put any pressure or undue stress on you to partner with us. So if you're in a good place in your life right now, visit wretched.org slash donate or text the word wretched to the number 44321. Every bit of support, big or small, makes a tremendous difference. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel. 
attributes of God. God is merciful. While he does not permit evil to go unpunished, he withholds his justice for a time. Though God is storing up wrath for the day of judgment, every day we continue to live is evidence of God's mercy and another chance to repent and trust in Christ for salvation. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Do you know why? Shepherds. Do I sound pretty ominous? <laughs> Do you know why? Shepherds Conference disinvited Alistair Begg. I don't know why I'm talking like that. This is Wretched Radio. Jimmy, do you know the specific reason why Shepherd's Conference decided to disinvite Alistair Begg? I do not. Do you? Not a clue. So why bring it up? (laughs) You, You can't help but see the news on the Internet. You hear these things. And perhaps we start to draw conclusions from the decisions of national ministries or we start judging national ministries. And I would like to suggest to you, that's a mistake. There's a difference between a public ministry, a national ministry, and a local church. There's a difference between a national ministry, a local church, and the evangelical conversation that happens on a national level. And I do believe Reminding ourselves of these distinctions will keep us from perhaps being judgmental towards some of these national ministries that are making decisions that maybe you're not nuts about. For instance, you might be saying, well, why hasn't every radio station pulled Alistair Begg? On the other hand, you might be saying, why is any radio station pulled Alistair Begg? Shepherd's Conference, Ligonier? Both disinvited him. What about the other? Okay. This is why I think we need to remember that we have absolutely no idea what goes on behind the scenes of national ministries when it comes to decision making. So what do I do with a disinvite? What do I do with a radio network or station that cancels Alistair Begg? I ask a different question. Is this a good ministry? Is this a godly ministry? Is this a ministry that has been aimed in the right direction? And if I conclude, you know what it is, then you know what I do regarding their decision regarding this issue? Absolutely nothing but say, that was the right decision that they made for them. I don't even know what it is, but I can't and I won't be critical of it because I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And I think that might also help us from drawing conclusions. What is the meaning of why some have disinvited or pulled truth for life from their radio network? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I mean, in general, we kind of know, but why that decision? And the answer is, I don't know. And so I don't draw any conclusions from it. And I certainly don't want to be judgmental of, of those ministries that are good. Now, is it even possible that they made a misstep? Well, that's always the case for all of us. But I still fall back to the position, it's a godly ministry, it's a good ministry, I'm not going to draw conclusions, and I'm certainly not going to be judgmental toward them. And I do believe that this is actually a principle that we could have used for a number of years in evangelical Christianity. Why didn't that group, why didn't that seminary, 
Why didn't that university that calls itself Christian, why didn't that, who fill in the blank, do this? Why didn't they say that? Why didn't they condemn? Why didn't they affirm? And the answer is, I have no idea. I have no idea. So I look at the organization and I go, yep, they're sound. Yep, they're striving to see people one to Jesus Christ, grow in godliness, grow in their love for their Savior. I'm I'm out of the conversation. So, for instance, and this is just wild. This is just like totally, I'm making this up. So, please don't think I'm trying to connect this to somebody that I'm imagining. And it's it's a little out there. But nevertheless, to make the point, let's say a Christian organization, an evangelical organization, a public one, a national one, not a local church, they 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 make a decision to no longer affiliate with Truth for Life. And they decided that that decision was right based on Matthew 18. You say Matthew 18 is local church discipline, not national. And they knew that. But they decided, how are we going to respond to this? Maybe, again, I'm making this up. Their primary concern was for Alistair Begg himself. Maybe that's what their concern was. And they thought, okay, even though this isn't local church discipline, perhaps this will be a startling message to call him to the repentance that they believe he needs to express. I'm not going to judge that. First of all, I don't know that that's going on. But they're thinking based on their considerations, based on applying the Bible, I I just may or may not be the decision that I would make. But I don't know because I'm not in their shoes. And by the way, this is a principle too, even in the context of the local church. If your pastor isn't saying something that you want him to say, whatever that is, go slow in your critique because you don't know what he's got going on behind the scenes. There's there's something in the world that is exploding and you believe that the pastor is really needs to address this from the pulpit. But here's what you don't know. The pastor knows of three couples in the congregation who have recently experienced X in association to world event Y. And for their sake, because of what they're going through, for their sake as their shepherd, the, the pulpit isn't the place for me to do this in consideration of those three couples. Okay, again, a fabricated story, but you get the point. I don't know. I don't know what's going I don't know what my pastor is thinking. Is he a godly man? Okay, zip it, Friel. Is he striving for godliness? Are the elders seeking to glorify Lord Jesus? Yep, okay, trust you guys. And we leave it at that, and we drop it. Because I, I, I fear that. With with national ministries, good ones, we don't want to speculate based on what they do because we just don't have the knowledge to make those decisions. All right, Jimmy, it looks like you're chomping at the bit no, in there. No, I'm not chomping at the bit. Well, what are you chomping? And you say we don't want to speculate. And I was mouthing, yeah, we don't want to get into a situation where we participate in gossip. Well, that that's true, too. Right. But, you know, okay, now in fairness, just because gossip is a big deal. In fact, <laughs> gossip is listed in Romans 1. Here, here, here's a shocker for you. We, we happen to think Romans 1, all oh, the really big bad sins where God says, I'm done, are just sexual sins. 
hold on, let me read to you the list of Romans 1 sins, uh, because honestly, it calls us all short, uh, up short on this deal. They did not retain God in their knowledge. God gave them over to a debased mind, being filled with all unrighteousness. Now, here's the list. Sexual immorality. We get that. All unrighteousness. Oof. Wickedness. Covetousness. Huh? Maliciousness. Full of envy. Murder. Strife. Deceit. Evil-mindedness. They're whisperers. Backbiters. Oh, God hates that. And he can, and it committing that sin on a regular basis, and this is in full alignment with John, chapters two and four. Um, you say you love God, but you hate the brethren or you backbite. Uh, it's a sign you really don't, maybe as much as you think, but it should cause, cause us to go, whoa, hold on, the list isn't done. Violent, proud boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. Here's a scary one, undiscerning. Wow, wait, a, I'm wondering if there's a footnote in my MacArthur Study Bible, that's verse 31, looking down, and John MacArthur let us down. There isn't a footnote, und, undiscerning, uh, that, that you don't know the difference between the true and almost true, and that you don't make an effort to try to sort things and figure things out biblically, that we as, that we as Christians can't say, look, I'm a mere Christian. I just love Jesus. I don't need all of this theology. Uh-oh. That means you're not going to be very discerning. And by the way, just needing Jesus actually is theology. But that footnote aside, we're to be discerners. So we, we got to do this. And we got to be on our game. And we got to figure these things out. And we've got to follow some rules. Jimmy, I'm trying to think of a resource that helps us through discernment that we just recorded this weekend with Justin Peters. Yeah, that's it. That, 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 that one that, right that's there. The one, yeah. <laughs> so when Justin was in town, and we're going to talk about him <laughs> tomorrow, but we talked about the importance of discernment. And I would suggest to you that one of our considerations as we discern these issues is that we also recognize the limitations of our discernment. We got to know stuff. We got to know the behind the scenes. Remember, you hear one side, and it seems like, oh yeah, that's that's the my verdict is rendered. Uh oh, you got to wait to hear the other side. And in these instances, with some of these national ministries, whether it's ShepsCon, whether it's radio stations, whether it's Ligonier, um, I don't know that we should be speculating at all about their decisions, especially when we're talking about quality organizations. And, and and similarly, I don't think we should be drawing any conclusions. Does this mean they think that Alistair Begg is a heretic? We, we have no idea what goes on behind the decision-making of those organizations. So let's make sure we don't participate in Romans chapter 1, verse 31. Bad discernment and ooh, gossip. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.